Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, February 10th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the top political stories we're looking at today. The premiers of Ontario and Alberta inch closer to the new federal deal for health care. We're going to get this deal done. Uh, I have to make sure I get approval from all premiers and uh, make sure we always take care of the, the, the territories and the smaller provinces, uh, but take care of everyone. And we're, we're very, very close to crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Alberta's share will be about 518 million new dollars. And I've already talked to my health minister about how he wants to deploy those dollars. We've already started on a very ambitious reform strategy and it will be helpful. Um, so we're, we're going to be making sure we don't leave any money on the table. Plus, Conservatives call on the Liberal government to get on board with their push to toughen up bail laws. We asked Trudeau to, tr to fix what he's broken and if he doesn't, uh, we have here Frank Caputo, a former Crown Prosecutor, who's introducing a bill that will fix the damage Trudeau caused. We also welcome the Liberal government to take Mr. Caputo's bill and introduce it next week so that uh, they could pass it into law. And uh, that would be the fastest way to repair the damage that uh, Trudeau has done to our bail system. Here to discuss these stories with me, Bob Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. So good morning, Bob. And um Again, we're talking about healthcare, and I'm sure we'll be on this topic until it all gets resolved. And yesterday, Ontario Premier Doug Ford met with um, uh, Canada's health minister, Jean Duclos, in Toronto, and uh, Dominique Leblanc, the intergovernmental affairs minister. And I guess he wanted to iron out a few things. One of the things he did mention was that he was a little concerned the deal is only for 10 years, and he had a couple of other concerns. I mean, what do you think is going to happen there? Are they going to meet his concerns? Well, all the premiers are going to meet on Monday. Uh, Ford seemed to indicate that they were all going to say, you know, we'll accept the uh, federal offer. There's really no choice in any case um, because Mr. Trudeau is not willing to negotiate in terms of the money. Where the negotiations are going to happen, Julie, are on these bilateral agreements that the uh, Ottawa is going to work out with the provinces to deal with specific needs uh, for each province. Ontario uh, is primary care and, and long-term care and home care, for example. There's $25 billion on the table, and uh, each province will be able to say to the feds, okay, we, we want this money to go to our specific needs. And I, I, that is where the real negotiations will be going on. They've all the provinces have resigned themselves to accepting overall that there, there is going to be an increase in the uh, Canada health transfer and that the federal government is not going to increase that. Uh, I mean, it was really strange in a way, though, and I've talk, had a number, quite a number of Liberal MPs come up to me and say, scratching their heads at why for weeks the federal government liberals, Mr. Trudeau and his the people around them, were raising expectations that there was going to be a huge bundle of money on the table. And, and, and then they were spinning this uh, number of $196 billion over 10 years, when in fact there is only, and that's, it's not a lot, it's not, it's a lot of money, but only $46.2 billion, which is basically what the liberals had committed to in their election campaign mm -hmm. in 2021. And you, when you raise expectations and the premiers come out and the healthcare people come out and say, well, that's really not that much. I mean, why? Do, I don't know why they just didn't say at the beginning, well, you know, yeah, we, we, we have a, we're gonna commit to our yeah. 
we're going to give them what we committed to in our in our election campaign. Yeah, no, I don't I don't understand either. But on the other hand, Christia Freeland met with all the finance ministers on Friday just before, uh, you know, this meeting to basically say, uh, look, I've got a lot of things coming at me. And she had Tiff Macklin there from from the Bank of Canada. So it sounds like they heard kind of a uh, a sobering message from her. But I don't know, like, it's, it's kind of weird that they, they, they seem to be at cross purposes or they weren't clear in their message. Well, I mean, it's we were all being spun in the media that this yeah. was going to be a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 it, it, and it wasn't anywhere. It was just what the liberals had committed themselves. Now, having said that, economists uh, also say that they were surprised because almost any uh, anything the liberals see, they they have uh, buckets full of money that they uh, throw at people and, and for a change they were actually stingy which means though that from the economist's point of view that this is not going to uh, have a real impact on Ottawa's bottom line so uh, that means that you know depending on what is going to be in the, in the federal budget there may actually be a downward uh, trend in terms of the federal deficit now she does have to spend uh there's a lot of money on the or a lot that she's going to have to make a commitment to in terms of uh, electric vehicle batteries um you know do we how much do we go to match the americans mm -hmm. uh because they're putting uh, biden has put a lot of money on the table uh, and we we cannot afford not to have a thriving auto industry in this country mm -hmm. and if we don't have the same kind of incentives that the americans have or very similar incentives then you're going to see a lot of jobs going south Right, right. And and she did kind of uh, ask them on that uh, last Friday, you know, you folks are going to have to think of ways you can uh, offer incentives, too. So that'll be that'll be something interesting to watch. Um, also, yesterday, we heard from Danielle Smith. And of course, I was waiting to hear, like, when is someone going to ask her about the wimp handshake? And of course they did. <laughs> but she also talked about healthcare. care. So uh, what did you see there? Well, let me tell you what I saw first. As soon as the news <laughs> conference opened, Danielle Smith walked in and all the journalists were sitting. She went and shook the hands of, firmly shook the hands of every journalist. <laughs> like not a uh, dead fish handshake. Not a dead fish handshake. I mean, her explanation for the dead fish handshake was that she just missed it. I mean, you know, I, I get that. Um, but I think was, she said it, she'd already uh, had a handshake with him outside yeah. and then the photo yeah. op came. So yeah. she kind of was surprised. But anyway, it's amazing how people focus yeah. on these things. Yeah. Um, but but she she like um, like Premier Ford said she's disappointed. But of course, um, Alberta is going to accept those terms. Uh, and she's looking forward to negotiating a bilateral agreements, which there's you know it's a significant amount of money on the table for these bilateral agreements. The things about the bilateral agreements is there's not, unlike the CHT, there's no escalator clause in it. So it's just, you get the money one time. Uh, yeah. And it's not like you have, you know, 5% increase every, every year, uh, which you do have an escalator clause. With and the, the provinces have to put money into those agreements too, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they, and it's also it. a way, if I may say, so it's also a way where you, get a commitment from the provinces under the chc you can give them a lot of money but there's no uh, uh, there's no uh, real commitment on them to spend the money where uh, you would like them to spend the money i.e on health care even though they, mm -hmm. they made the commitment but at least in bilateral agreements when you make a commitment to spend the money on primary care or building long-term care facilities 
that's where that money has to go and you know what's going there. Right. And just a, a last point about Daniel Smith, because she did say, I'm not leaving any of this money on the table. So she's in. Sounds like uh, the Monday meeting will. I wonder if it's even going to happen. It sounds like everybody's going to be in. But the other point she she made and and uh, then we can move on to other things was, uh, you know, she certainly wanted to make it clear that she was not pleased if Justin Trudeau keeps talking about just transition, you know, in, in terms of the energy sector. Well, look, we all know what that's all about. This is about an election campaign, and she is now edged ahead of the Democrats in um, in Alberta. And, and one of the reasons why she's gotten ahead is that she's fighting Ottawa on energy workers. Now, what Trudeau, of course, is saying is that uh, as we transition to more of a green economy, the federal government is going to be there for energy workers to be, help them in this transition. But she's trying to say, oh, they're going to get rid of all of your jobs naturally. And I'm going to fight Ottawa against that. Naturally, uh, since most of the jo- energy jobs are in Alberta, people are quite concerned about it. She's completely misleading. But uh, and that's not what Trudeau is saying. But, you know, you know, that's not going to change what she's going to say. <laughs> well, there's the an election, election in May, right? So I mean, she's, she's got her her lines and so on. Uh, so so, Bob, the other thing in, in on the Hill uh, in terms of um, what's, what's going on, I guess, is the conservatives are very keen to tighten bail reforms, especially for violent offenders. And yesterday, one of their MPs, Frank Caputo, who's a former Crown Prosecutor from British Columbia, he introduced a private member's bill called C-313. Anyway, all about uh, tightening bail. And um, so basically, what, what do you think in terms of, of uh, you know, is, is, there, is there a lot of support for that, do you think, t- of tightening oh, bail for dangerous oh. offenders? Yes, there is. Uh, you know, Mr. Polyev and the Conservatives had a great deal of success in getting the federal government to uh, backtrack on their uh, firearms bill. They had to pull it because of um, uh, their opposition. They were very effective in the House of Commons and outside of the House of Commons. Also, of course, there was an outrage from, um, you know, farmers and hunters and indigenous groups. And you know, recently there have been some cases where uh, people have been murdered uh, and these were people who came out on bail um, mm-hmm. and they were violent offenders and had um, uh, a series of charges of firearms. The conservatives, um, as you said, have said we've got to deal with repeat offenders tougher in terms of bail, particularly those with uh, firearms. And and now the, the premiers have followed up with a letter mm-hmm unanimously written by all the premiers saying we need immediate action and uh, basically they, they what they want to be able to do is to say that that they want the, a reverse onus so that if you have had a firearm offense you have to demonstrate why you should not why you should be released um, yeah they call that re- reverse onus right correct yeah and and uh, and justice minister david lametti spoke to the Canadian Bar Association yesterday and said he is giving serious uh, consideration to this, to what the premiers have asked. Of course, he never mentioned Mr. Polyev. No, um, well, he doesn't want to be driven by that. No, of course not. Um, and uh, that they will be, uh, this will be discussed at the next uh, justice minister's meeting. And there is a problem with this because when the Liberals brought in Bill C-75 uh, in 2019, I believe, uh, 
what they did was they, they were going to make it easier for people to get out on bail and judges were instructed if uh, you let you should let people out at the earliest possible opportunity and put on the least onerous conditions on on people and also consider the situation of indigenous people right. i mean a, a or if OPP they came officer from a vulnerable back or if they were vulnerable in any way kind of right thing. i mean uh, you know there's an indigenous man who killed an opp officer exactly. recently Greg and the Michelle. judge let him out mm-hmm. yeah the judge let him out because yeah. uh, not he is a violent guy but they let him out because he was indigenous well we need to have some common sense in the bail system and this is a big win for uh, Mr. Polyev. I mean, he's going to be able to go out and say, see, we mm-hmm. got this for you. So uh, the premiers obviously, uh, because all the premiers have asked for it, the federal government will clearly uh, change the bail uh, situation in this country as they should. But Mr. Polyev is going to be able to stand on his soapbox and say, see, I want another one well, for you. So, yeah. So just to wrap wrap this up, I mean, this is not... This is this is something we've certainly seen in the past with Stephen Harper and Pierre Polyev was part of his government. They had many, many bills on crime. And the the uh, criticism they always had was that the liberals were soft on crime. So I guess it's worked for them in the past. It has worked for them past. But the problem is when they got into uh, power, uh, the knock against Mr. Uh, Harper is that he'd come in and he promised all these tough on crime uh, bills. And when he was told by the Justice Department that, you know, this some of this stuff will never fly with the, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, he, he went ahead with it anyway. And then the court would strike it down because they went too far. And then but Mr. he could Harper say, would, at least I tried. right? Yeah. He, so he tell to his base, you see, at least I tried. But the problem with that kind of approach is that you undermine confidence in the courts if you you know, purposely bring in legislation that you know will not uh, mm-hmm. withstand a charter challenge, yeah. and then you come out and blame the courts. That's right. not the way to do it. Bring in laws that will, if you want to toughen it up, fine, but make sure that they're charter-proof. Yes, but he always used to say the courts are too activists. We have activist courts, right? So, Right. Um, anyway. Uh, but uh, we have activist courts because of the charter rights and freedoms. That's right. the reason why we have activist courts. Right. But yeah, that's a whole other story uh, in yeah. terms of I don't think he was a huge fan of some of the elements of the charter. But um, anyway, a lovely Friday discussion. <laughs> and uh, you have I'll, a good weekend and be careful out there. It's well, don't try to skate icy. on the canal, whatever you do. No, I can. No, I, but I can skate the work today because there's, it's very icy right now. Well, you, yeah, you can skate on the <laughs> not on the canal, on the sidewalk, on the canal, Bob. OK, OK, there's no ice. OK, <laughs> we'll take care and we'll talk to you soon. That's Bob Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief of the Globe and Mail. My conservative team and I have forced Justin Trudeau into a temporary but humiliating climb down today. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists and commentators are saying today. Max Fawcett in the National Observer bemoans the number of issues the Liberal government has had to climb down on, but also points to its seeming inability to communicate effectively. He writes, Both Trudeau and Christia Freeland are gifted communicators, and the government they lead should be good at telling the story of its achievements and priorities. Instead, they create narrative gaps and informational vacuums that allow conspiracies to flourish and force them to play defense on everything from gun control to climate policies around fertilizer use. This approach is costing them valuable time and political capital. Now, here's what's happening on the Hill and elsewhere today. The Minister of Defense, Anita Anand, 
is at the Pentagon for a bilateral meeting with the United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd J. Austin III. They will discuss support for Ukraine and NORAD modernization, amongst other issues. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will make a battery storage facility funding announcement, along with Ontario Premier Doug Ford, the Ontario Minister of Energy Todd Smith, and Chief Mark B. Hill of Six Nations of the Grand River, as well as other officials in Caledonia. The Minister of Public Safety, Marco Mendicino, is making an announcement about gun crime and gang violence prevention in the Peel region. Ministers Omar Algabra, Kamil Kara, Ikra Khalid, and municipal leaders will take part. To mark Black History Month, the Honourable Sean Fraser, Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, will welcome 21 new citizens to Canada. The ceremony will be presided by Citizenship Judge Rochelle Ivry. David Lametti, the Minister of Justice, is set to make a funding announcement at the Place Turco Container Board Mill in Montreal, Quebec. And the Prime Minister's itinerary tells us he will be in private meetings in the National Capital Region, and then at 10.30, he will speak with nursing students and participate in a question-and-answer session. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February 10th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.